Welcome to the Knock-On, Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Stephen Byrne and over the next while we're going to talk to former Leinster captain Chris Pym. On the show we talk about the Pro 14 Rainbow Cup competition being split this week over travel restrictions from the South African teams. We talk about the three new rule trials being introduced this weekend as well, including bringing on a new player 20 minutes after a red card. We preview Leinster against Munster in the opening Rainbow Cup game. Johnny Sexton has been ruled out for a few weeks for concussion and has been to see an expert. What does that mean for him and his future? The Irish women's team take on Italy next in the Six Nations. We chat about that and their huge loss to France and the gulf between professional and amateur. And we discuss Michael Bend retiring from Leinster and Ronan O'Gara's promotion at La Rochelle. Good, yeah. Not a bother. Lovely spell of weather. So, yeah. yeah. Enjoy it, hopefully. Well, in one of the other codes, there was plenty of news this week, um, Chris, um, which uh, took up a lot of the sports news this week. But we're not going Certainly into ta- we're not going to yeah. talk about that as well. But there has been a bit of an effect on the Rainbow Cup. So the Rainbow Cup, for people that aren't familiar with it, is uh, another extension to the Pro 14 competition. But this time there were South African teams being brought into it, and the idea was that there was going to be interpros. Um, you play the teams, and you get a chance to play South Africans. But that's all come to a halt due to COVID, obviously, travel restrictions with the South African teams. And now we're going to have two separate competitions. The South Africans will play each other and the Northern Hemisphere will play each other. And the only fixtures we have for now on it, Chris, are the Interpros, one of which is Leinster Munster, which we'll talk about in a few moments, um, which has taken place on Saturday in the RDS. But um, I suppose it was just the correct decision. People sort of figured it. I think you even said it a couple of weeks ago. It was hard to see it going ahead in its current format or its proper format. Yeah, no, it was always going to be challenging, particularly given South Africa are probably even in a worse state than we are at the moment. So it's been, uh, it was always going to be difficult. And I suppose as well, you have the, um, the proposed Lions tour coming up as well. So I think... They didn't want any hiccups prior to that, which now looks like they're going to try and get it to go ahead. Um, you know, they didn't need any mess ups between now and then. So I think they really need to try and keep their bid clean. And this was one, maybe one way of doing that. So, yeah, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending which way you look at it, it's, it's another round of interprose. Yeah, um, I know, which we all, uh, I'm a bit divided on it. I Like, of course, I want to see loads of rugby. It's great. But we've had our Pro 14 and we're going back over plowed ground again. It would have been nice to have a crack at the South Africans um, and the teams just to see where Leinster is, see where Munster is and, you know, just get that bit of couple of tough challenges under our belts as well now I'm not sure what sort of teams the South Africans were going to bring over but it was a presumed yeah well I think they were going to be fully loaded because they had had no rugby they haven't played any rugby since pretty much the World Cup final I know South Africa haven't played at all there was a couple of games I think early in January but they got pulled pretty quickly so they've had very very little rugby so I know they were mad keen to try and play so and obviously to get some preparation before the the Lions arrive, assuming they do arrive. I think they're pretty keen to try and get games in. So it's, uh, yeah, look, I think it was probably a bit of a challenge to expect our, um, our guys to be at full throttle with the South Africans coming over here. Um, so it may or may not have been uh, counterproductive, but look, it is what it is now. And um, it's another weekend of pros, into pros. And I'm just looking at the Leinster team there now. It's, uh, 
very much uh, experimental. Um, 15, you know, there's not a whole lot of lads who would expect to be directly involved next weekend in La Rochelle. So um, playing against what looks like pretty much a suited and booted uh, monster team. So um, it'll be a great test for some of the uh, second string, for want of a better word, in the Leinster setup. But yeah, there'll be some guys will be very keen to get a crack. So it could be all the pressure is obviously a monster now because, um, as I say, they're they're fully loaded. Whereas you know we're monster have less or Leinster have less at risk. But yeah, an interesting look inside all the same. Delight to see Dan Sheehan getting a start. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, other than Andrew Porter, there's very few of those guys would expect to start, maybe with the exception of uh, Ryan Baird, who would expect to start next weekend. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, interesting. It'll actually be an interesting game. I'm kind of more interested in it now that I've seen the Leinster team. Yeah, absolutely. Caelan Doris is back as well from injury, which yeah, is great. Yeah, great to see him back, yeah. Yeah, if we didn't have this competition, they wouldn't have risked him next week um, against La Rochelle that deep into European competition. So he gets yeah. a crack at that. Scott Penny is back, which is great. Um, and it would probably, be great for him now to measure yeah. himself against Omani or Dunhu and Stander. He'll, he'll absolutely love that. I'd expect him to have a huge game because he's up against, you know, some serious opposition. He'll, he'll be... He'll be, he'll be spitting bullets for that one. So, yeah, no, definitely. Um, the Leinster have kept a bit of strength uh, across the back line um, for this one. Chris, James Lowe, Rory O'Loughlin, Gary Ringrose, Dave Kearney and Jordan. So you've got a couple of the Exeter heads, um, you know, that played in that game um, coming in as well. So it's obviously a bit of a sign of intent as well in the sense that... Uh, going to be running the ball straight at them. The weather's pretty good as well. So that's going to be that type yeah. of game. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I suppose one uh, glaring challenge I would see there is Hugh O'Sullivan at nine with uh, Cormac Foley on the bench, who I don't think Cormac's had a, got a cap yet. No. But he, um, he's a, well, he's kind of a converted 10. I know he played 10 with um, Ruben, or my middle lad, at Leinster 20s, and he's now he's now playing nine, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it would look like a little bit of a, well, hopefully not exposure at, uh, at nine. Uh, but then, you know, great opportunity for Harry, Harry Byrne as well to get a gallop. So he's just back. He's just back from injury, isn't he? Didn't yeah. play, he didn't play for a while. So he'll be keen to uh, have a big game as well. Yeah, there's a good few high-powered second rows in there as well. James Ryan and Scott Fardy are on the bench too. Like, you've got a huge amount of... Um, Michael Bent, of course, who's retiring at the end of the season. He's in there. Peter Dooley, Sean Crony. So your your replacements, yeah. like you said, with the exception of Cormac Foley, maybe Tommy O'Brien, and that pretty yeah. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, no, absolutely. But um, and probably if you look at the replacements on the Munster side, they probably wouldn't be as strong as they ordinarily would. But you know, it's a great bunch of young lads with Finn and Richard Lee, Gavin Coombs, Craig Casey, Ben. Healy all there, you know, they're the kind of the next generation of of Munster, or hopefully will be Munster legends coming through. So, yeah, big opportunity for them, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm surprised not to see Gavin Coombs starting. Uh, yeah. Figured that they might throw Gavin in to give him a bit of momentum off the back of his uh, Heineken Cup yeah, yeah. Uh, run yeah, out I'd as well. He's, you know? he's a little disappointed not to be starting. But, yeah. um, strong team, very yeah. strong team. 
Yeah, interesting to see um, Andrew Conway frozen out again there. There's obviously an ongoing issue there. I'm not quite sure what's going on. But um, he seems to have, he's had very little rugby now since early in the autumn, really. Yeah, it's a strange so, one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know he came back in for the the Monster Leinster game the last time, but uh, he's he's gone again there. So um, I must say I'd be a fan of his, but there's something there's something not quite right, I think. And then with Simon uh, Zebra on the way back as well, it's uh, not well, really a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, that, that, that piece. Yeah, we'll see how that piece of business works out this time next year as well. We can see how that worked. Like but, you, yeah, Chris, well, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm actually really haven't seen the teams now. I'm probably a bit more excited about it than I was during the week because, um, you know, so great opportunities there for some of the young lads to measure themselves against, you know, seasoned internationals in the monster setup. So it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be really interesting. Yeah. Yep, look forward to that one. Um, so, yeah, so Chris, the Rainbow Cup, um, we'll get a bit of rugby over the next while as well. That's on tomorrow. They're going to try out a couple of different rules in this as well. Um, and we've already had a taste of them in some of the other competitions. Let's have a chat through them as well. So they're going to try out three of them. One of them is a red card replacement. So for listeners, um, a team will be without a player for 20 minutes once the red card, but then they'll be allowed to bring on a replacement. Um, the player who got the card, obviously, is not allowed to return, but another person from the bench mm. can replace them as well. What do you think of that, Chris, in general? Um, should a red actually, card just be a red card? And I'm sorry, but game over. Well, not game yeah, over. No, I think, I think it's a really good idea. I think it's um, there's a 20-minute window of punishment, but then it doesn't distort or destroy a game totally. Whereas you look at the the likes of the months, the Leinster Ulster game, where Ulster were re- well well in the game, they got a player sent off and it just completely destroyed the game. Leinster just went on to win it at a hack. Whereas if there'd been a guy coming back in after twenty minutes, I think it just gives the game a bit more. Uh, you know, just gives it a better chance to be a to be a competitive event. While at the same time, there's still a, you know, still a heavy punishment there to lose a player for what is essentially quarter of the game. It may not destroy the game quite the way sending offs can do. So I, I actually think it's a good idea, and it's I presume the same rules will apply for the player that gets sent off. They're going to have to go through a disciplinary process. So you know, nothing else changes. But it does stop a game being becoming completely imbalanced. So I definitely be in favour of that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch it play out, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And like as you said, we already had a taste of it in other competitions. Um, I suppose there's been a lot of talk and debate and chat, obviously, about um, how tough the rules are lately on uh, head contact and there has been an awful lot more cards than we were ever used to being shown there as well. It could be a way to just try and um, can, down a bit, yeah. yeah, and just meet halfway on it as well, especially if they're going to stick with that, which they probably have to, Chris, the way concussion injuries are and everything yeah. else. Um, yeah. They have to appease players as well, and it has to be done. Is that, Jay, have you you've seen it in action? Have you this red card? Yeah, no, no, definitely it's been good. And I think um, this the second one there, which is I think it's the captain's referral, is it? Yeah, captain's um, challenge. Yeah, captain's challenge. It's been uh, any of the Super Rugby games, the New Zealand ones I've watched. It's been nearly used in every game, and a couple of them have actually changed the results of the game from a 
from a last play of the game where, um, you know, you might get 10, 15 phases and there might have been a knock-on in the middle of it and somebody missed it. And you get a chance to go back and review it. And it either is the last play of the game or, you know, very close to it. Um, it's had a big impact on on the result. In most cases, it's actually swung the result one way or the other. So it's been uh, it's been good. It's actually, and I think it adds an extra extra level of excitement to the game. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely something that is no harm. And as I say, sometimes the players you know have a better idea than the refs go, refs have that's going on. Although I would say the fourth official now, you know, do Mikey and a lot of stuff that maybe the refs would would not pick up um, live. So, you know, maybe not so much stuff as around the foul play, but I think more, it's more to do with the tiny little knock-ons or something that um, it probably have a bigger impact that way than to do with the uh, the foul play stuff. Absolutely. Um, and all the f- colourful, flowery language that's used in the last five minutes of a game when you spot something that the ref doesn't and you're, you know, running yeah. over to him, he's telling you to go away and you just get more yeah. frustrated. Yeah, no, it's a good one, Chris. I'm, I'm a fan of that one myself. Um, and it's good that rugby are working with the teams and players to bring all this stuff in. There's a bit of common sense with it as well. Uh, Another one is goal line dropouts as well. Um, Do you want to explain this or do you want me to explain it? Yeah, so my understanding is that if it's carried over the line, um, instead of it being an attacking five-metre sprung, it's a a drop kick from the goal line, which puts the ball back in play probably a little bit quicker. Um, But obviously, from an attacking point of view, you're further away from the goal line then when you started, if that makes any sense. So yeah. I'm not 100% sure what the logic on that one is. Um, I know there's another rule there where they were looking at where if you kick the ball to touch from inside your own 10 ball, 10 metre line, and the ball went into touch, that um, it was an attacking, it was an attacking ball instead of obviously the defensing, the defensive ball. And the point of that was to try and keep more players in the backfield so they haven't brought that in, so I'm not quite sure why, but it, it looked like a rule that was working quite well um, in the Australian uh, Super Rugby that they were doing it there. So, but they've chosen not to do it. But th- I don't, I'm not quite sure. That's very much a rugby league one, the goal line, the dropout from your own uh, goal line. So, you know, Rob, that from rugby leagues, I'm not 100% sure what the, the, the thinking behind that one was. Yeah, it's interesting to see them all. Um, yeah, the, the the rule that's not being trialled in this one, the one you were talking about, uh, probably to yeah keep the ball alive as well. There's a lot of teams that when you know yourself, yeah. you're defending in your own 10 or whatever like that, you just belt the ball out um, just to get a bit of a reprieve. But if it keeps the ball alive, it keeps the game going. Yeah. You know, you have to front up and uh, start defending again when they start running back at you. Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting to see these, Chris. We'll get a look at all this tomorrow as well. And uh, yeah. good conditions forecast as well for the RDS. Yeah, definitely. Weekend. Yeah, the forecast for the week is really good. So, yeah. Happy, happy days. One man that is missing, and we have question marks over him as well for the La Rochelle game the following week, Johnny Sexton. They issued an injury update and they said that he has been to see an expert about it and they're keeping an eye on him basically um worrying stuff again we know what happened with france and he was out for three months and all that sort of talk as well and he's had a couple of knocks in short succession um 
we don't know anything else beyond that, Chris, but it's just, it is a cause from concern for Leinster fans and for himself, of course. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, yeah, look, it's a worry. You don't like to see it in anybody, but I think, you know, I, well, I suppose like Anton Father Time is catching up with them and you just can't take the knocks the way he did. And I think, you know, I mean, I did, they did talk about a, a ceiling of how many cushions would be allowed in a in a playing year and then within a player's career. And I can't believe that he's not at the tail end of that. So um, I'm not quite sure. I look, hopefully he'll be okay. Um, but it would obviously put his Lions tour in doubt as well. If he's, you know, he doesn't come back from that. I, if he doesn't play next weekend, um, there would have to be question marks around whether he'll actually tour or not. And then at that stage, whether... You know, he'd be end up calling it a day. So, but yeah, look from his own personal health, given how much publicity and negativity has been around the whole uh, CTE thing, that really it's um, something that, you know, for his own well being and the rest of his life, he probably needs to start uh, making a call on. But look, he's getting the best of advice and the best of help. So, Hopefully, whatever decision he makes will be the right one for him, his family, and obviously for Leinster. Absolutely. Um, and I know when we hear an injury update like that, you always fear the worst. And people can start to exaggerate different things. And Johnny has said it himself when some medical reports were leaked, or not leaked, but when the doctor in France was talking about Johnny when he was over there, then people tend to blow it out proportion a bit and, and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll just we'll put, let that one... He knows himself anyway, like you said, um, and uh, whatever decision yeah. he makes will be the right one for him. Um, some bad news, I suppose, last weekend, uh, the Irish women got their Six Nations campaign off to a good start against Wales the previous week. France, who are professional, um, came over last week and, God help us all, they were hammered and they were be- they were beaten yeah. really really badly as well. No one likes to see it, Chris. We're, not, we're definitely not celebrating it here. It was, it was a tough watch, um, but it just shows the gulf between a team that you invest in, um, professional, and the Irish team as well. Like they did, they, they tried their best and that, but it just you can just see the huge difference between both sides there. That's case in point. Yeah. No, absolutely massive, massive gap and. As you would expect, every year that gap is growing. The longer they're professional, the longer we're amateur, the bigger the gap is going. And you could see that as well when, even when the men's game went professional to start with, the teams that were already professional, you know, they had a head start that it took probably Ireland six, seven, eight years to even get back anywhere near them. So, you know, it's going to be the same with the women's game that unless there's some sort of a professional setup that it's very hard to see them uh, competing with either the English or the French setup. But, you know, the Scottish, the, the Welsh and the Italians are, you know, and the Irish were probably all on the one level. And then, you know, you have the French and the English kind of doing their, doing the professional thing. So it, it's creating an automatic tier, if you know what I mean. So, it's um yeah look it's tough on the girls um so it's you know they've Italy this again to beat Scotland so you know that'd be a good test for them and yeah. they have to get back on the horse now and and go from there so yeah look hope them hope 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 for the best and uh, keep our fingers crossed they can 
get back, get back and up and running. Absolutely. Um, I should have talked about it earlier, but Michael Bent's retirement um, was announced during the week as well. Um, Jeez, uh, he's been with Leinster a long time. He's he's one of the lifers, as I call him. Um, but the, ultra dependable. The players know a lot more. They play with him, know a lot more about him and what he does and how valuable he is to the team as well. And they got glowing references, of course, from Leo Cullen yeah. and former players as well that wish them all the best. Yeah, very underrated, I would have thought, over the years. Um, started backwards. He got his international caps before. Yeah. He got his Leinster... Uh, colours on him um, but uh, just ultra dependable um, and uh, yeah solid basically yeah. Um, as a, yeah, a prop no. for, for Leinster Yeah no definitely and I was going to mention the fact that he got picked for Ireland when really he shouldn't have been it was all very that would like to think that was in not the early days of professional but you know early enough that we really should have known better that however desperate we were and we were absolutely desperate for tight heads at the time that he was literally flown in and dumped into the Irish team to be honest and wasn't really up to it um, but he went back and he worked really hard at his craft and he absolutely became a, an integral part of the Leinster setup and has been an amazing servant over um, I don't know how many is it 11 seasons or something ridiculous like yeah. that which is yeah, you know fantastic and uh, yeah, look, he'll definitely leave a hole. He seems to have been a very popular um, member of the, of the squad and uh, got on well with guys. So yeah, look, wish him all the best. I believe he's going home to mine the farm at home. So uh, that's all good. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got a Heineken Cup medal and uh, a good few Pro 14s as well. So he, he's going back with it. He's not going back empty handed anyway. Not going back empty handed, exactly. Yeah, no, no, fair play to him and the best of luck to him. Absolutely. Um, and finally, Chris, to chat about Ronan O'Gara, we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks and the work he's doing with La Rochelle. John O'Gibbs is finishing up. Of course, John ex-Leinster um, coach as well. Um, he's finishing it up. So Ronan O'Gara's job is he's been promoted more or less into the director of rugby sort of role, but doing what he's doing as well. Um, his family are happy where they are. He's happy. And he's, he basically said, this is a project and I want to see it out. Um, and it's only yeah. the early days, but by God, he's doing a good job so far. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we'll know him a lot more intimately after next weekend. <laughs> uh, hopefully with the right results. But um, yeah, look, he's done a fantastic job. Um, he comes across really well, I think, as a as an ex player who went off and learned his trade in France, and then obviously with the Crusaders in New Zealand. So it's been, you know, he's been on a very steady path. He took the job he got in La Rochelle, and a couple of people probably raised an eyebrow, going, you know, why did he not come back to the monster setup or anything like? So he's very much a career coach, and I think his each step he's taken has been a very progressive one. And, you know, he certainly any interviews and stuff, he comes across as somebody you would enjoy working for, who, you know, who's not going to let you off with anything, but at the same time um, would understand what it really means to be a top-class player and what it takes to be a top-class player. And, you know, I'd say, so we discussed last week, he's worked really hard at trying to build a culture that he's comfortable with, that he would have gathered from his monster days and from obviously from um, his time with Crusaders. So, you know, he's he's 
really keen to do a project there. And I think, you know, I think hopefully they will continue to move in the positive directory that they have. But yeah, no, I'd definitely be a fan. I think he's he's done a smashing job. And uh, I think he'll step into that director rugby role with, without any great difficulty as long as he can still get um, as much time on the pitch, which I think is what, what he loves more than anything. So yeah, best of luck to him. Yeah, a big fan of him, Chris. Back, obviously, he's playing days as well. And I remember reading his book, his biography or autobiography when it came out. It gave you a real insight into his brain. He really let you into his head. Um, I thought, I felt in that book. And you can see now but the way his career has progressed and his coaching role. He's just that type of a person. He's a student of the game. He thinks all he, he thinks a lot. He overthinks a lot, as he would have admitted in the past about certain things. But yeah. it's great to see that he can use that trait that he has and that is used as a player now as a coach. Um, and what I love, I love when he's on the telly and he's doing a, giving you a bit of insight into games and he's just so yeah. brutally honest as well. Perfect stuff for a coach, just for yeah. when it comes to an- analysis and just dealing with players and talking straight down the line to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah, look, his punditry is, is excellent for that reason. One, because he has such a great insight on the game. But two, he's in the game. He's living and breathing it every single day. And, uh, you know, so he's really, really interesting to listen to. So, uh, yeah, no, fantastic. And yeah, wish him all the best. So, well, Chris, that concludes the Knock On Rugby podcast for this week. Thanks a million for talking to us, as you do oh. uh, every week. We've got rugby to look forward to. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rain- all good. All Rain- good. Rain- Rainbow and Heineken Cups um, as well. Uh, of course, Leinster play Munster in the Interpro as part of the Rainbow Cup on Saturday evening. I think it's around 7.35 kickoff in the RDS. Yeah. Weather's good. Uh, decent teams named as well. Yeah, look forward to that. And we'll talk to you next week, Chris. Pleasure. Thank you very much. That was former Leinster captain Chris Pym. I'm Stephen Byrne and that's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit scoreline.ie for more on rugby. And of course, if you're into your GAA, we've got the Clash Act, all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.